Section 10 of Ancient Ballads and Legends of Hindustan by Toru Dutt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ken Masters. Ancient Ballads and Legends of Hindustan by Toru Dutt. Hotu. Ho, master of the wondrous art, instruct me in fair archery, and buy for a a grateful heart that will not grudge to give thy fee. Thus spoke a lad with kindling eyes, a hunter's low-born son was he, to Dronacharya great and wise who sat with princes round his knee. Up time's fair stream far back, oh far, the great wise teacher must be sought. The Kurus had not yet in war with the Pandava brethren fought. In peace at Dronacharya's feet, magic and archery they learned, a complex science which we meet no more with ages past inurned. And who art thou, the teacher said, my science brave to learn so fain? Which many kings who wear the thread have asked to learn of me in vain. My name is Butu, said the youth, a hunter's son, I know not fear. The teacher answered, smiling smooth, then know him from this time, my dear. Unseen the magic arrow came, amidst the laughter and the scorn of royal youths, like lightning flame sudden and sharp. They blew the horn, as down upon the ground he fell, not hurt, but made a jest and game. He rose and waved a proud farewell, but cheek and brow grew red with shame. And lo! A single, single tear dropped from his eyelash as he passed. My place, I gather, is not here, no matter what is rank or caste. In us is honour or disgrace, not out of us. Twas thus he mused. The question is, not wealth or place, but gifts well used or gifts abused. And I shall do my best to gain the science that man will not teach. For life is as a shadow vain until the utmost goal we reach to which the soul points. I shall try to realize my waking dream, and what if I should chance to die? None miss one bubble from a stream. So thinking, on and on he went, till he attained the forest's verge. The garish day was well nigh spent, birds had already raised its dirge. Oh, what a scene, how sweet and calm, it soothed at once his wounded pride, and on his spirit shed a balm that all its yearnings purified. What glorious trees, 
the sombre soul on which the eye delights to rest the beetle nut a pillar tall with feathery branches for a crest the light-leaved tamarind spreading wide the pale faint scented bitter neem the seemul gorgeous as a bride with flowers that have the ruby's gleam the indian fig's pavilion tent in which whole armies might repose with here and there a little rent the sunset's beauty to disclose the bamboo boughs that sway and swing neath bulbuls as the south wind blows the mango tope a close dark ring home of the rooks and clamorous crows the champak bok and south sea pine the nagasir with pendant flowers like earrings and the forest vine that clinging over all embowers the sirish famed in sanskrit song which rural maidens love to wear the people giant-like and strong the bramble with its matted hair all these and thousands thousands more with helmet red or golden crown or green tiara rose before the youth in evening's shadows brown he passed into the forest there new sights of wonder met his view a waving pampas green and fair all glistening with the evening dew how vivid was the breast-high grass here waved in patches forest corn here intervened a deep morass here arid spots of verdure shorn lay open rock or barren sand and here again the trees arose thick clustering a glorious band their tops still bright with sunset glows stirred in the breeze the crowding boughs and seemed to welcome him with signs onwards and on till bitu's brows are gemmed with pearls and day declines then in a grassy open space he sits and leans against a tree to let the wind blow on his face and look around him leisurely herds and still herds of timid deer were feeding in the solitude they knew not man and felt no fear and heeded not his neighbourhood some young ones with large eyes and sweet came close and rubbed their foreheads smooth against his arms and licked his feet as if they wished his cares to soothe they touch me he exclaimed with joy they have no pride of caste like men they shrink not from the hunter boy should not my home be with them then here in this forest let me dwell with these companions innocent and learn each science and each spell all by myself in banishment a calm calm life and it shall be its own exceeding great reward 
No thoughts to vex in all I see, No jeers to bear or disregard. All creatures and inanimate things Shall be my tutors. I shall learn from beast and fish And bird with wings And rock and stream and tree and fern. With this resolve he soon began to build a hut of reeds and leaves, and when that needful work was done, he gathered in his store the sheaves of forest corn, and all the fruit, date, plum, guava he could find, and every pleasant nut and root by providence for man designed a statue next of earth he made an image of the teacher wise so deft he laid the light and shade on figure forehead face and eyes that any one who chanced to view that image tall might soothly swear if he great dronacharya knew the teacher in his flesh was there then at the statue's feet he placed a bow and arrows tipped with steel with wild flower garlands interlaced and hailed the figure in his zeal as master and his head he bowed a pupil reverent from that hour of one who late had disallowed the claim in pride of place and power by strained sense by constant prayer by steadfastness of heart and will by courage to confront and dare all obstacles he conquered still a conscience clear a ready hand joined to a meek humility success must everywhere command how could he fail who had all three and now by tests assured he knows his own god-gifted wondrous might nothing to any man he owes unaided he has won the fight equal to gods themselves above wishmo and drona for his worth his name he feels shall be with love reckoned with great names of the earth Yet lacks he not in reverence to Dranacharya, who declined to teach him. Nay, with e'en offence that well might wound a noble mind, drove him away. For in his heart, meek, placable, and ever kind, resentment had not any part, and malice never was enshrined one evening on his work intent alone he practised archery when lo the bow proved false and sent the arrow from its mark or eye again he tried and failed again why was it hark a wild dog's bark an evil omen it was plain some evil on his path hung dark thus many times he tried and failed and still that lean persistent dog at distance like some spirit wailed safe in the cover of a fog 
His nerves unstrung, with many a shout he strove to frighten it away. It would not go, but roamed about, howling as wolves howl for their prey. Worried and almost in a rage, one magic shaft at last he sent, a sample of his science sage, to quiet but the noises meant. Unerring to its goal it flew, no death ensued, no blood was dropped, but by the hush the young man knew at last that howling noise had stopped. It happened on this very day that the Pandava princes came, with all the Kuru princes gay, to beat the woods and hunt the game. Parted from others in the chase, Arjuna brave the wild dog found, stuck still the shaft, but not a trace of hurt, though tongue and lip were bound wonder of wonders didst not thou o dronacharya promise me thy crown in time should deck my brow and i be first in archery lo here some other thou hast taught a magic spell to all unknown who has in secret from thee bought the knowledge in this arrow shown Indignant thus Arjuna spake to his great master when they met, My word, my honour is at stake. Judge not, Arjuna, judge not yet. Come, let us see the dog. And straight they followed up the creature's trace. They found it in the self-same state, Dumb yet unhurt, near Bhutto's place a hut a statue and a youth in the dim forest what mean these they gazed in wonder for in sooth the thing seemed full of mysteries now who art thou that dares to raise mine image in the wilderness is it for worship and for praise what is thine object speak confess o master unto thee i came to learn thy science name or pelf i had not so was driven with shame and here i learn all by myself but still as master thee revere for who so great in archery lo all my inspiration here and all my knowledge is from thee if i am master now thou hast finished thy course give me my due let all the past be dead and past henceforth be ties between us new all that i have o master mine all i shall conquer by my skill gladly shall i to thee resign let me but know thy gracious will is it a promise yea i swear so long as i have breath and life to give thee all thou wilt beware rash promise ever ends in strife thou art my master ask o oh ask from thee my inspiration came thou canst not set too hard a task nor aught refuse i free from blame if it be so, 
Arjuna, hear! Arjuna and the youth were dumb. For thy sake loud I ask and clear, Give me, O youth, thy right hand thumb. I promised in my faithfulness No equal ever shall there be to thee, Arjuna, And I press for this sad recompense for thee. Glanced the sharp knife one moment high, The severed thumb was on the sod, there was no tear in Bhutu's eye, he left the matter with his god. For this, said Dronacharya, fame shall sound thy praise from sea to sea, and men shall ever link thy name with self-help, truth, and modesty. End of section 10 Recording by Ken Masters